Hello all, and welcome to this episode of No Home for Heroes. No Home for Heroes explores history's military mysteries regarding Americans who are missing in action from our past wars. These long-forgotten MIAs are remembered here. Today's episode is titled, The Proverbial Innocent Bystander Becomes a MIA. Today's episode of No Home for Heroes is taken from an active case in our files of the Chief Rickstone and Family Charitable Foundation. But it's one that has not yet been fully investigated. We've never done a podcast on an open case, but we need your help to solve this mystery. I'm your host, Rick Stone, and we hope you think this is another great true story from our vault of history's military mysteries. No Home for Histories is a trademark production sponsored by the Chief Rick Stone and Family Charitable Foundation. For more information on the foundation, visit our website at www.chiefrickstone.com. We invite you to listen to all of our podcasts on Apple Podcasts or whichever podcast or streaming platform you prefer. We dedicate this episode today to our loyal listeners in Rushville, Indiana, population 6,341. Come on, Rushvillians, put on your Sherlock Holmes sleuthing hats, grab your magnifying glasses, and join the research team here at the Chief Rick Stone and Family Charitable Foundation to help us identify one of your own local hometown heroes and bring him home to you. During my long career in law enforcement, back back when dinosaurs roamed the earth, one of the proverbs we found to be true when investigating violent crimes was that it's always the innocent bystander that seems to get hurt. Well, it seemed like invariably when things went wrong in a holdup or a shootout involving bad guys with guns, some poor citizen who had absolutely nothing to do with the incident wound up catching a stray bullet or being injured in some other way by the actual participants in that dangerous situation. These, quote, innocent bystanders, unquote, became our victims in the crime and always left the detectives assigned to the case with an even greater sadness than normal when police officers see the bad side of society. In today's case on No Home for Heroes, we're going to talk about a military innocent bystander whose death became an even greater tragedy when his body was lost and never recovered. Clarence Edward McDaniel was born in the big city of Newcastle, Indiana on February 2, 1922. Yeah, that's right, you numerologist. His birthday was 2-2 of 22. Not sure what significance that held in his future, but it probably was not a good sign for Clarence. But today, we celebrate what would have been Clarence's 99th birthday by remembering him on No Home for Heroes. Clarence was the son of Earl and Stella McDaniel, who resided on West Market Street in Rushville, Indiana. He grew up in a family with a brother named Eugene and two sisters, Flavilia and Adeline. Clarence was a lifelong resident of Rushville and graduated from Rushville High School in 1942. As a young adult, he topped out at about 5 foot 7 inches tall, and he was about 164 pounds, with blue eyes and dark, dark brown hair that was 
combed in a very popular wave fashion. By the definition of any era, he would be considered handsome. Clarence joined the Navy in November 1942 to do his part in World War II. He received his basic training at Great Lakes Naval Training Center before being assigned to San Diego, California. While home back in Rushville on leave in June 1943, Clarence married Carmen Cameron before he headed back to the West Coast for assignment on board the USS Sumner. The Sumner was a Navy survey ship with a complement of about 150 men. While on the Sumner, Clarence achieved the rank of seaman second class. In December 1943, the Sumner was ordered to the Tarawa Atoll, which had been seized the preceding month by United States Marines. The Sumner was there to conduct a survey of the newly acquired island and the other islands in the vicinity. The next part of this story today is told by the deck logs of the USS Sumner and another ship named the USS Terror, which was a Navy mine layer. I examined both of these deck logs in June 2017 at the National Archives in College Park, Maryland. From the deck logs, I learned that the USS Sumner was anchored in the Terra Lagoon on 16 December 1943. A small survey party, known as a working party, was dispatched by the ship's boat to land on Tarawa and bring back sand to the ship for analysis. Unfortunately, the survey working party brought back more than sand. The working party brought back a load of forbidden souvenirs they found on the island, including Japanese shells, ammunition, and explosives. Two sailors who were completely untrained in demolitions attempted to deactivate their deadly trove of ordnance, while several other sailors watched, including our innocent bystander from today, Seaman Second Class Clarence McDaniel. And you guessed it, the inevitable occurred, and there was an explosion on board the Sumner. Picking up the Sumner's deck log again, it described what happened next. Quote, At 17.30 hours, which would be about 5.30 in the afternoon, McDaniel reported to sickbay with multiple puncture wounds of the entire right side of his body, received injury while standing on foot from workbench where a cap of a Jap 40 millimeter shell was being detonated. Explosion resulted when a temp was made to extract detonator from case. Case was picked up from Bikeman Island, end quote. Bikeman Island was the code name of the USS Sumner for the Tarawa Atoll. Because the Sumner had no doctor on board, Clarence was transferred by small boat from the USS Terror, or to the USS Terror, which was the mine layer, also anchored in the lagoon at Tarawa at about oh, 6.12 in the afternoon. It took the very small boat uh, to get to the Terror a little less than an hour, probably about 45 minutes. When he was received on board the Terror at 7 o'clock in the evening, Seaman First Class McDaniel underwent several hours of emergency surgery to try to save his life. Sadly, it was all for naught. Seaman Second Class Clarence McDaniel died at 
0540, that's 5 a.m., 540 a.m. in the morning of the next day, 17 December 1943. At 10.15 in the morning, McDaniel's body was returned to the USS Sumner in another small motor whaleboat. Between 2 and 2.30 in the afternoon, Lieutenant Cook, the Sumner's chaplain, conducted funeral services on board the Sumner, and the body was removed ashore for burial with a burial party in charge of the executive officer, Lieutenant Commander Max E. Crawford from Sandoval, Illinois. At 4.50 in the afternoon, the burial party returned to the Sumner. A formal investigation determined that Seaman 2nd Class McDaniel was not at fault in the incident which caused his death. In other words, he was the proverbial, quote, innocent bystander, unquote. Two sailors of the Sumner were quickly disciplined for the incident. A fireman first class was, in, was disciplined for failure to obey an order, which was an order by the commanding officer of the Sumner not to bring anything back on board the Sumner other than the sand, which was originally the mission. And a seaman second class for failure to obey the same order, and for actually being the one who brought unauthorized articles on board the ship. Clarence's brother, Eugene, who had by that time also joined the Navy, was home on leave in Rushville, Indiana on 6 January 1944, when the telegram arrived notifying family members of Clarence's death. But the tragedy does not end there. Clarence McDaniel was recorded as buried in Cemetery 33, Plot 13, Row 3, Grave Number 17 on Tarawa. And then the entire cemetery plot was lost to history. The Sumner's crew contributed over $500 that was sent home to McDaniel's widow, but the government could not find Clarence to send his body home. His family deeply felt his loss, and placed immemorial notices on the date of his death in the local newspaper for the next six years. Researchers and investigators from the Chief Rick Stone and Family Charitable Foundation believe that the long-lost cemetery, Cemetery 33, Plot 13, was finally discovered by a private contractor paid to look for bodies on Tarawa in 2018. But here we are, almost three years later, and there's been no identification of Seaman 2nd Class McDaniel. Could that be because the Defense POW-MIA Accounting Agency, or DPAW, cannot find a family reference sample of DNA to send to the Armed Forces DNA Identification Laboratory for comparison to whatever remains might have been recovered on Tarawa in 2018? Well, you know, we know the average for DPAW to identify a set of remains is 11 years after they receive the remains. But maybe, maybe with your help, we could help speed that process up a little bit. Is there a listener to this very podcast today on Seaman Second Class McDaniel's 99th birthday who can put a family member in touch with us? here at the foundation, so that we can facilitate the DNA sample being submitted. And we have a great deal of information, of more information to share 
about Clarence's case that we could put then we could put in this podcast. We would love to share a full family report with the family. Here's your chance, everybody. Help us find a family member to Seaman Second Class Clarence Edward McDaniel from Rushville, Indiana, and help us move his body from a cardboard box in a storage room at the Deep Hall Laboratory in Honolulu, Hawaii, back to an honored gravesite home with his family in Indiana. If you find a family member out there, have them contact us as soon as possible via email to foundation at chiefrickstone.com. Thank you for listening to this special episode of No Home for Heroes. Today's episode, as we said, was inspired from an open, active case file of the Chief Rickstone and Family Charitable Foundation. We hope you've enjoyed today's production, and we invite you to check out our other episodes on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn Radio Podcast, Blueberry, or whichever platform you like to listen to podcasts. We greatly appreciate your comments, and a special link is available for you to contact us on our website at www.chiefrickstone.com. We again thank you for your support of our mission to provide information to the families of missing American servicemen and missing American service women. Every assistance counts, and you do make a difference. Until next time, be careful, be safe, and wishing you fair winds and following seas, I'm your host, Rick Stone, reminding you that poor is the nation that has no heroes, but shameful is the nation that having heroes forgets them.